This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. It is me, your friend, Elizabeth Benton, and we are back for another episode in this series of the Fat Loss Basics. I wanted to start off the year with a series of consecutive episodes going through sort of the pillars of fat loss. And if you haven't checked out parts one, two, and three, this is part four, I would encourage you to do so, but you can certainly start here with part four and work backwards. In part one, we talked about hormones and calories, and we talked about why it's not just about calories when we are striving for fat loss. We talked about the role of hormones, and we we established that calories are important, but they are not the be-all, end-all. Then in part two, we talked about carbohydrates and established that they are not the bad guy, they are not the enemy, but when our goal is fat loss, we have to have a carbohydrate strategy that makes sense and allows our body to get into and stay in fat burning mode. So we tackled that in part two. And then in part three, we went into protein and we talked about how protein contributes to fat loss the way that protein makes us feel more satisfied or more full for longer than the other macronutrients. But then we talked about how much is too much and what happens from a fat loss perspective and a hormonal perspective when we overdo it with the protein, which a lot of people do, especially as they transition away from processed foods to whole foods. Today we're gonna be talking about dietary fat. And I've done a lot of episodes on dietary fat primarily focusing on the myths about dietary fat, right? The idea that eating too much fat increases serum cholesterol or triglycerides, and I'm not gonna be going into that today. Today I'm gonna be talking just exclusively about fat for fat loss. And then the next episode in this Fat Loss Basics is going to be about fitness. What kind of fitness routine makes the most sense when your goal is fat loss? and where we can actually inhibit fat loss with exercise or fitness. And then I really wanna do one, maybe two Q&A episodes answering your questions about this series. So if you have questions, send them to me. Definitely do not hesitate to reach out and ask questions. So I'm gonna link in the show notes to the episodes that I have done on lots of different parts of this fat equation, dietary fat. I've already done an episode on ketosis. I've already done an episode on omega-3s. I've already done an episode, actually a couple of episodes, on uh, cholesterol and what really drives cholesterol overproduction and how we can get that in check. And I've done an episode on coconut oil as well as MCT oil. So I'm gonna link to all of those. There's a ton of information that's already available. So if you have questions about ketosis, questions about cholesterol or omega-3s and omega-6s, All of that stuff will be linked to over on the show notes page for this episode on primalpotential.com. What I really wanna focus on today is dietary fat's role in 
fat burning. So we could get lost in the weeds with all of the other stuff, but we're not going to. Remember, my, my promise to you for 2016 is less but better in all things. And I want that to sort of be your approach too. We don't need to know everything. We don't need to do everything. We need to focus on the most important things. And so many times we get lost in the weeds and it's just a, a way that we distract ourselves. We delay action while seeking more information that really is not necessary to get us the results that we want and need. So let's dive right in and talk about dietary fat. Now, first let me just say that dietary fat and body fat are not the same thing. We cannot assume that eating fat in food leads to an accumulation of body fat. It just doesn't work that way and hopefully I'll really clear that up for you today. So fat is a macronutrient. And if you've listened to the other parts of this series, you understand that the difference between a macronutrient and a micronutrient is that a macronutrient, like fat, protein, and carbohydrate, delivers energy in the form of calories, whereas micronutrients, like vitamins and minerals, are not calorie-containing. And calories are units of measurement. They measure the energy potential within a particular food, all right? So fat is a macronutrient, just like carbohydrates and protein are macronutrients. Every gram of fat contains nine calories, nine calories per one gram of fat. So if you had an item in your hand and you didn't know when it was pure fat and you didn't know how many calories it contained, you could figure that out if you knew how many grams of fat, because you take the grams of fat and you multiply it by nine, and that's the calories from fat. Now, when I say that every gram of fat contains nine calories, this is where many people panic. Oh my gosh, it's fattening because it's so high calorie compared to protein and carbohydrate. But that's really not the way to think about this. And I've talked about this in many podcasts before, so I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time on it, but if a gram of protein contains four calories, which it does, and a gram of carbohydrate also contains four calories, that means that there's twice as many calories in a gram of fat, more than that, more than twice as many calories in a gram of fat than in a gram of carb or protein. But remembering that calories indicate the energy potential within a food, that means that fat delivers more than twice as much energy to the body than protein or carbohydrate. And if we think about it from the perspective that is real and not the perspective that is based in fear and misunderstanding, it's like your car getting better mileage and higher performance on a higher octane fuel source, right? And I think, I think it was Sean Stevenson that said, fat doesn't make you fat any more than blueberries make you blue. And that just really resonated with me because when we think about gaining weight or adding fat to our body fat stores, it's not about how much fat we're eating. It's about the total quantity of fuel that we are consuming from any source and then what we do with that fuel. If we eat a whole lot, whether it's protein or carbs or fat, and we do not 
force our body to use that fuel, right, in our daily activity or an exercise or whatever, if we are not matching what our body needs with what we are giving it, then anything is going to lead to an excess of storage, but it's not about our dietary fat consumption, right? Excess fat is stored when there is an energy excess, energy excess from anything. Now, this is where it's important about the number of calories per gram of fat because there is more energy within fat. So it is easier to go overboard on less with dietary fat, right? But that's that's the extent of it. You also can eat less fat and get more energy from it than what you would need to consume of carbohydrate or protein. Now, it's important to understand that fat is not just something we should eat if we enjoy it or uh, because it's going to help with fat loss. We need fat. Like it has an absolutely critical role in the body. Every single cell in your body contains fat, is made from fat. It is a structural component of every single cell in your body. Your brain is about 60, 60 percent fat. And fat is absolutely necessary, 100% required for the production of hormones in your body. And hormones and hormone balance is a prereq for fat burning. Now, where I want to spend the majority of time uh, with you today is on how fat helps fat loss, all right? And it's not complicated. And the science geek in me really wants to go deep into the biochemistry, but I'm not going to because what I want to do with this whole series is give you exactly what you need, nothing more and nothing less. So what I really want to emphasize to you is how you really impair your fat loss when you do not consume adequate dietary fat and you actually facilitate fat loss when you do consume enough dietary fat under the right conditions. Okay, so if you are not eating enough fat, your body will resist burning fat because fat is so critical for everything that happens in your body. I mean, we are made up of cells. Fat is a component of every single cell. So if your body senses that fat is in short supply because you are not eating enough, it is going to hold on to your body fat stores because it needs fat. It needs fat. It's kind of like if there's a drought, right? When there's a drought, water consumption is tightly controlled because water is in short supply. So you're not going to give up water very easily, right? When there's plenty of water, there's less control and restriction. This is what happens within the body because your brain is mostly fat. Your cells all contain fat. So if you are not consuming adequate fat, your body's like, well, we can't surrender this fat that's slapped on your butt because we need it and you're not getting enough. And so we have to really think about it in terms of the messaging we're giving to our body through our food choices because our bodies respond to what we eat. Our bodies are brilliant and adaptive and your body will adjust it will adjust its hormone production, it will adjust its enzyme production, it will adjust whether you're burning fat or burning muscle or neither based on what you eat, right? 
If you ingest carbs all the time, then your body's hormonal production is going to shift towards what is necessary for handling all of those carbs and sugar, right? Same thing if all you eat is protein. Same thing if all you eat is fat. So our body is adaptive and always responding. Now I wanna talk about how fat is broken down in the body. And when I say that, what I mean is, so we have fat stores, adipose tissue stores, right? What's on your hips, what's on your thighs, what's you know on your, on your arms, whatever else. And in order for that fat to be released from that tissue, requires certain enzymes and certain hormones. And I'm only gonna hit here what you really need to understand, but this is critical in terms of how fat consumption influences our ability to burn fat. So there is this enzyme and it is called hormone sensitive lipase. And I need to link to an episode that I've done before. I'm making myself a note of that right now. I did an episode on like the physiology of fat burning, like how fat gets released from the cell, how it travels to another cell to be burned and all of the conditions that make that possible. So if you want the sciencey stuff, I've totally gone there before because that's what I geek out on. So I will link to that in the show notes. But so there is this enzyme and it is called hormone sensitive lipase. Now, enzymes catalyze reactions. Lipases are a type of enzyme, a category of enzymes that break down fat, all right? So hormone-sensitive lipase is an enzyme, and, and I love here that it says hormone-sensitive, and I sort of had a light bulb moment in my own journey when I heard Jade Tita from Metabolic Effect say, isn't it interesting that it's called hormone-sensitive lipase and not calorie-sensitive lipase? So this enzyme is responsible for burning fat, and in its name, it makes it clear that it is sensitive to hormones, not sensitive to calories. So major. So if fat burning is your goal, you wanna know how to increase the activity of this enzyme, hormone-sensitive lipase, because that is what initiates or catalyzes fat breakdown from your stored body fat. When we consume enough dietary fat in the absence of excess carbohydrates, so when we're getting enough fat and we're not overdoing it on the carbs, that increases the activity of this enzyme, hormone-sensitive lipase, that facilitates or catalyzes the release and burning of stored body fat. When we do not eat enough fat, so there are a few conditions that are going to inhibit this enzyme or decrease our body's ability to burn fat. Not eating enough fat, right? Because of what I said before, it's like the drought situation. Your body sort of says, no, 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 we're not giving that up because there's not enough coming in. So we might need that for production of hormones or for um, maintenance of tissue. Like we might need that fat, so no way. So when you do not consume enough dietary fat, that decreases the activity of hormone-sensitive lipase. When you overeat carbohydrates, you decrease the activity of hormone-sensitive lipase. When you overeat protein, you decrease the activity of hormone-sensitive lipase. The reason here is that insulin, and we've talked about insulin, if you missed part one or a bazillion other episodes where I've talked about insulin, insulin is going to suppress hormone-sensitive lipase. 
carbohydrate overconsumption is going to contribute to an insulin overproduction, which then inhibits fat burning. And when we overconsume protein, because remember that the excess proteins, we talked about this in the last, uh, in the last section, when we overconsume protein, those amino acids in excess can be converted to glucose, which drives insulin, and insulin suppresses this fat-burning enzyme, all right? So when you think that you are helping your fat loss by going on a low-fat diet, you are actually making fat loss harder. You're actually making fat loss harder. Now, you might be thinking, well, why is it that some people can go on a low-fat diet and actually lose weight? Well, in the short term, you might win the calorie battle, right? The calorie battle where if you do not consume enough energy for what your body needs, then it has to make up those energy needs. But remember that fat burning isn't the only way to do that. You could burn muscle tissue, right? You could lower your overall metabolic rate while burning muscle. You could burn a little bit of fat and a little bit of muscle. So if you go on a low-fat diet and you're consuming dramatically less energy, then yeah, you might see weight loss. But that doesn't mean that it's fat loss and it doesn't mean that it's setting you up to keep that weight loss off, right? Even if it is fat, because if you are lowering your metabolic rate in the process, then that means you have to eat less in order to maintain that. And that's one of the primary reasons that we see only about 5% of people who lose weight keep the weight off because they're focusing only on this calorie model, which is really short-sighted because of the hormonal and the metabolic repercussions of just, counting, uh, just cutting calories without considering what happens to your hormones. And I talk about this in a whole lot more detail in a few other episodes that I will link to in the show notes about why calorie counting is misleading, uh, and even in part one when I go into uh, hormones versus calories. So it's important to understand that if we do not eat enough fat, our body will hold on to fat and will decrease the activity of this enzyme that is required to initiate fat breakdown from your stored body fat. Now, with all macronutrients, carbohydrate, protein, fat, we have to watch quantity. So many people go paleo or primal or even just dial back their processed foods and they don't see weight loss and they're like, oh, I'm eating so much more healthy, why am I not losing weight? Well, too much of a good thing is still too much and we have to find our own individual sweet spot. We can't just, like just because I say, uh, avocado is a great healthy fat doesn't mean that you can eat four avocados a day or even one avocado a day depending on what else you are eating. So it's really critical to remember that just because a food is healthy doesn't mean you're eating it in a healthy way. And there is a difference between healthy and fat loss. And even if we're looking at a fat loss friendly food, it doesn't mean that you are eating it in a fat loss friendly way. Many people start to make what they consider to be healthier or cleaner choices, but then they figure, well, quantity doesn't matter. I mean, it's just chicken. Like uh, if I'm you know, gonna overeat, I might as well eat chicken. Overeating is overeating is overeating whether it's donuts or chicken or salmon or Brussels sprouts, right? Like you can overdo everything, everything. And we have to consider too what else we're eating. There's no way to say 
have this much fat with every single meal because you have to take into account how many meals are you having and how much protein are you having at those meals and how much carbohydrate are you having at those meals because that is the key here is understanding the big picture, the total amount of energy that we are giving our body and the combined hormonal messaging that that overall quantity sends to the body, right? So we have to consider carbohydrates drive insulin, right? And insulin is an anabolic hormone. It makes tissue grow. Sometimes the tissue it's making grow is muscle tissue, but more often than not, it's fat tissue. So when we consume more fat, but we don't change our carbohydrate consumption, if we're still focusing on, you know, carbs at every meal, even if they're healthy carbs, then basically what we're saying is take this fat and store it. That should be a song, right? Like if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, there's something about take this something and shove it. But anyway, um, <laughs> I digress. It's early. I haven't had that much coffee. But if we say, let's say that we decide I'm going to have a healthy carb and a couple of healthy fats and healthy protein at every single meal, and therefore I am healthy. Well, if we are driving insulin production while we are consuming these healthy fats or these healthy proteins, then we are increasing the likelihood that that is going to be stored because the more we trigger insulin, and we can trigger insulin with all of these fuel types, mostly with carbs, then with protein, fat is the macronutrient that has the least impact on insulin, but when we consume fat, healthy fat or not healthy fat, with carbs, healthy carbs or not healthy carbs, we are increasing the likelihood that they are going to be stored because that's insulin's job. That's insulin's job and we need that because we have to get fuel into our cells. But when we consume fat, it is better to do so with uh, protein or just fat and we really want to watch the carbohydrate consumption when we are consuming fat. That's, that's important to do, right? So sometimes people get a little bit confused about how much fat. Now it's relative to your activity level, what else you are eating, how much you eat and how often you eat throughout the day, your hormone balance. But I'll give you an example here. So the other day on the blog, I posted one of my favorite fat loss friendly meals. It's this um, raw cabbage salad sort of with bacon and eggs and avocado. And I often make it with two eggs, two slices of bacon and a half an avocado. That's a lot of fat, right? And so sometimes people will look at that and go, well, I need that much fat at every meal. Probably not, probably not. So for me, like this is the way I think about it for my life. And I don't prescribe meal plans because it's relative to what works for your lifestyle, your activity level. But what I try to do is I do higher fat in the morning. Why? Because my mornings are lower carb. Why are my mornings lower carb? Because of the insulin response. And definitely check out part two of this fat loss basic series for why to avoid carbs in the morning. But since I know I'm avoiding carbs in the morning, that tends to be my higher fat part of the day, right? So that's when I would do this salad that has a lot of fat in it. Two slices of bacon, two eggs, and a half an avocado. Sometimes a quarter, but more often than not a half, right? 
because that is my lowest carb meal of the day, typically. Lunch is round about the same, but might be a little bit higher. And then in the evening, if I'm gonna do carbs, then that's gonna be a lower fat meal for me. Even if I don't do carbs in the evening, for whatever reason, because I just don't feel like it, I will have less fat throughout the day if I've had more fat in the morning. So just roundabout, whether it's bulletproof coffee in the morning, which is very high fat, or it's this breakfast salad that I posted on the blog, I'm not gonna have four or five servings of fat at every meal throughout the day. That's just too much for my body based on my activity level. Now, if you're eating very little protein and very little carbs, then you have room for more fat because you need more energy. But if you're doing moderate protein, that has to be accounted for. If you're eating more carbs, then you definitely wanna eat less fat. So it's totally relative. There's no way for me to say, get this much fat at every meal. How many meals are you having? Are you snacking? How much carbs are you having at that meal? How much protein, right? So just to kind of give you a sense, if I have that breakfast, let's say, let's just, if we're gonna call these servings, that's so arbitrary, but let's say that like each slice of bacon is a serving of fat and that's two, and each egg is a serving of fat because the yolks are pretty much primarily fat, so that's another two, and then let's call the half an avocado three servings of fat, right? Then we're talking about seven servings of fat in that one meal, or if I do bulletproof coffee. Let's say that I do one tablespoon of uh, MCT oil and one tablespoon of butter. That's a good solid couple of servings of fat, so that is going to adjust throughout the day. So in my typical day, I'm going to have a higher fat breakfast, a moderate fat lunch, and a lower fat dinner, especially if I'm going to do my carbohydrates at my evening meal. So then it's gonna be mostly carb and protein at dinner, and then it's gonna be fat and protein at lunch, and my breakfast is usually primarily fat and protein, sometimes exclusively fat if I'm doing bulletproof coffee or something like that. So I hope that that kind of gives you a sense of how you want to adjust. Sometimes I'll see my clients kind of keep the same fat ratio at all meals, like they'll have four or five servings of fat at breakfast, and then I see it again at lunch, and I see it again at dinner, and I'm like, okay, we need to kind of adjust here. If you wanna eat that much fat because it keeps you full for a long time, that's great, but then we need to adjust accordingly. We need to dial down the protein and dial down the carbohydrate if you're gonna do that much fat. And remember, too, that this is why tracking is so important. You have to know what really satisfies you. For some people, they stay satisfied for hours hours, hours with dietary fat, other people, protein is more effective. And I talked about in part three how protein keeps us satisfied oftentimes more than the other macronutrients. So tracking is going to allow you see, to see, is it fiber that really does it for you? I'll be honest, for me, it's protein does trigger satiety with me, but the most impactful thing for me to stay full for the longest is my non-starchy vegetables like my brussels sprouts my cauliflower that's why when you guys see my pictures of my meals on instagram it's my plate is probably 75 percent non-starchy veggies because for me that's what makes a difference how do i know that from tracking do i know what does that for you no but you should and when i did my breaking barriers launch webinars uh, last week i talked about how if you don't know these things for yourself you need to. 
you need to stop paying more attention to everything outside yourself, whether that is other people's blogs and podcasts, including mine, or reality TV, or other people's business in general, and you need to be spending more time and attention on yourself than on other people outside of you, especially people that aren't even a part of your life, right? So many of us pay more attention and could say more things about the lives of the Real Housewives than we could about our own. We need to first and foremost understand our body and tracking is a powerful, powerful way to do that. So when it comes to fats, what fats should you choose? More often than not, I want you emphasizing fats from whole food sources, not from anything in a box or a bag or a can. I really want you to emphasize fats from whole foods because they are going to be more stable than processed fats. And remember that fat is a component of every single cell in your body. So when we eat fat, we are giving our body the tools, the raw materials to build and repair our cells. So if you are consuming processed fats, which are known to be less stable, then those less stable elements are being incorporated into your cells. I don't know about you, but I want the most stable and reliable materials being used to build and repair my body. That is important. So focus on whole foods, whole foods. I'm obviously a huge fan of avocado and bacon. And if you're nervous about bacon, I already did a whole episode on bacon, so I will link to that in the show notes. But I also really love choosing proteins that are higher in fat. I find that they taste better, but it also simplifies my life and my meal prep because in one fell swoop, I'm getting my fat and my protein. Like I eat chicken thighs instead of chicken breast, right? Because that's a great blend of fat and protein. Plus I think it tastes better. Um, or I'll choose salmon, a fattier fish, instead of, say, tilapia, which is pure protein. Um, but again, if I'm talking about dinner time and I'm going to have a carbohydrate, I'm going to choose a leaner protein to focus on less fat. I hope that makes sense. I also am a huge fan of MCT oil, medium chain triglycerides, which is the primary fat in coconut oil. And again, I've done an episode on MCT oil as well uh, uh, as on the benefits of coconut oil. So I will link to those in the show notes for those of you that are interested. Uh, and then I often will also choose grass-fed beef instead of say turkey when I'm really trying to get that fat. But remember, there are times when it's appropriate to dial back your fat. Just because something is quote unquote healthy or fat loss friendly does not mean that we are using it in a healthy way. So anyway, I hope this episode was really helpful to you. If you have questions, please let me know. If you want to know more about some of the other topics that I mentioned, do not miss all of the links over in the show notes at primalpotential.com. And remember too that I want to do a Q&A follow-up on this fat loss basic series. So if you have questions, definitely send them to me. I want to hear from you so that I can make sure to wrap this up really neatly with what you need. The next installment of this fat loss basic series is going to be on fitness and what it means to sort of move for fat loss versus maybe wasting your time doing things that are not going to be conducive uh, or the best kind of results producing activity for fat loss. So we'll see you then. Take care. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes 
workouts, meal ideas, every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.